Welcome, everybody. This is another GD podcast. I'm your host, Guy DeMarco. I'd like to welcome you guys to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't listened to the first podcast, I recommend that you go back. It's episode one. It's the shit show intro. Talks a little bit about myself and what this podcast is going to be talking about. If you missed that, go back, listen to it. You'll figure out what's going on here. But a little bit about myself is I was born and raised in Glendale, Arizona. I currently live in Northwest Florida. I've been shooting since I was about eight or nine years old, off and on. I got my first uh, first gun was a 1022 from Ruger Woodstock. Uh, that got me hooked. Learned how to shoot on that, and also on a Ruger single six in 22 long rifle. I've shot some three gun. I've shot some two gun. Shot a lot of USPSA and Steel Challenge. And now I shoot in the National Rifle League 22. So the NRL 22 type precision rifle matches chambered in 22 long rifle. That's what I currently shoot in. We're going to cover a lot of that in a different podcast. Today I'd like to cover the 2019 Precision Rifle Expo. It was located down at Arena Training Facility in Blakely, Georgia. Now I was able to attend this and check it out. It's the first time I've ever heard about it and been able to attend. I made sure that I had uh, had no previous engagements, bought my tickets, got a hotel room, ended up meeting some of my friends there and checking some stuff out. However, an amazing event, super cool, super awesome people. We're going to go ahead and we're going to dive into it, what I thought, what I learned, what I took away, and overall what my experience was. So, like I said, it was located at the Arena Training Facility in Blakely, Georgia. That facility is amazing, first off. Period, dot. You could end a podcast right now. That's all you need to know is that facility is amazing. It's the same location. The AG Cup is going to be held next week. That's going to be an amazing event as well. But we're going to focus on the, the PRE, the Precision Rifle Expo. That happened Last month, the end of September, why am I doing a recap now? Well, because if you watched or read the bio on the first podcast, I'm a procrastinator. Plus, I got a lot of moving parts in my life right now, a lot of things going on. Therefore, sometimes I just get super busy and I can't get things done. You guys don't want a bunch of background noise and interruptions and distractions during these podcasts. I want to give you guys high quality. Therefore, I'm going to make sure that I schedule my time to record these when it's nice and cool and quiet and nothing's going to interrupt us. So that's why I'm a little late putting this out. It was the end of September. I think it was the 27th, 28th of September down there in Blakely, Georgia. So let's uh, cover some day one thoughts. First, check in. Uh, Everybody showed up. You checked in. If you pre-registered, it took longer than if you were just a walk up, which was a little weird. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about the, the flow of the event. So not knowing what to expect. I never did any research. I just signed up for the event. I read what the description was, but I really didn't know what to expect. I got there. I uh, didn't hear any gunfire at the moment. Checked in, got all registered, saw a bunch of dudes with a bunch of ear pro on. And I was like, oh, I'm ridiculous. I showed up to a precision rifle expo. I showed up to a place where there's guns on a gun range and didn't bring my ear pro. So I felt stupid, right? Um, How did I not think to bring ear pro to a gun range? I don't know. Why wasn't it already in my truck? Don't know. Lesson learned there, right? Um, Where was everything at? Well, they provided a really good, nice, colored, detailed mat or map with all of the events, where things were located, how to get there, times of the different classes, everything like that. Um, They had a really well laid out firing line up on the tall hill. I think it went out to 800 yards. Um, Really well laid out firing line with all the different vendors and manufacturers and booths. They had a smaller line that had some smaller caliber weapons off to the side. That's where the Voodoo Uh, Gunworks V22s were set up, the MPA BA22, I believe it's called, 
uh, rugged suppressors, all kinds of really, really neat stuff on a smaller firing line. They had food, they had vendors, but then they had the actual expo tent, um, as we called it, the meat locker, because it was freezing in there. But it's better than being super duper hot. It actually gave us a place to go inside, cool off a little bit, and enjoy and try and have a conversation at the opposite end of the tent that the air conditioners weren't blowing you over in. So my day one thoughts are, how did I forget your pro, right? Where was everything at? Too easy. They provided a solid map. My likes for this day one were water was provided. I never had to sit there and be like, oh man, I need to like buy a case of water, throw it in my car, even though I did. Um, Water was provided on the range. That was super, super cool. I don't see too many events like that, handing out bottled water. I mean, we see the, um, the PRS and the NRL stages. They put out water coolers for you, jugs, things like that. Fill up your, your Camelback or your, your Nalgene's, whatever. But having water on hand for the participants was super, super cool. The side ranges for the 22s, right? We all know that these 22s, aren't going to reach out as far as your 6.5 PRCs, 223s, 6.5 Creedmoors, everything like that that was on the main firing line. So having a small range dedicated to your smaller caliber weapons, such as your 300 blackouts, your 223s um, that were suppressed on the 300-yard line was super, super cool. Also, those 22s, they actually had the NRL 22-style targets out there ranging from 25 yards all the way out to, I believe, 200 yards at the 200-yard berm. And I think that was super cool for the Voodoo Gunworks guys to set that up along with the MPA, Masterpiece Arms, BA-22, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like I should know that um, being a 22 guy these days. But nonetheless, it was super, super cool to be able to see these weapons up close and personal, handle them, do everything you want to do, run a course of fire with them on those 22s at that's at those different distances. You had gentlemen from Voodoo, Mike there, he was calling your impacts, giving you wind corrections right there as you were engaging targets, which was super awesome. I mean, it's not not everybody has the opportunity to run a Voodoo, right? I mean, we're talking about an $1800 barreled action. You're talking Rem 700 uh, footprint stock for it. Then you're talking a trigger and then glass. You're going to want to put good glass on that because, I mean, it's a voodoo. You're talking a lot of money here. So being able to actually get behind the the glass on one of those and send some rounds downrange and actually get a feel for it and appreciate not only the engineering and the craftsmanship that goes into it, but the actual accuracy of these 22s. I mean, we had a little bit of right to left wind. I think I held maybe a tenth to two tenths off center straight up um, on my elevation. And I was, I was ringing those little two, three inch targets all the way out to 200 yards. I think it was super, super awesome. So I really like that side range for the 22s and the suppressors, rugged suppressors down there. You could fire all of their suppressors. I don't know anywhere else where I can go and test out suppressors before I, you know, spend the money on them. And then, have to wait 10 months to get it to sit there and say, you know, I wish I would have got something else um, or something better suited for what I'm going to be doing. What I was really impressed with there was their Obsidian 45. It's a 45 cal can. It's modular, so it can be long or it can be short. They actually had that on a, oh gosh, I'm spacing it. It's an MP5 clone is is basically what it is um chambered in nine millimeter but they had a 45 can on it and it was still really quiet i took earplugs out uh the foamies i took those out and decided just to uh send four or five rounds down the uh down the pipe to actually see what the sound reduction was i was super happy with it it was super super cool I think it was very, very incredible. So the rugged suppressors and the 22s on that side range were super, super interesting. So another thing that I thought was really interesting was getting real hands-on 
with these guns and gear. It's one thing to walk into a gun store and feel the trigger and feel the action, but we all know that those are going to be different in a real shooting environment. You can get down behind a stock. You can just throw a rifle on your shoulder, put that stock in the pocket of your shoulder and, and just hold it up. But I mean, is that really how we're shooting offhand? I don't think so. Are we really feeling how smooth the bolt is? Sure. When there's not a magazine or it's picking up around and feeding it into your chamber. Right. So being able to get down behind these firearms and actually feel them and check them out, I think was probably one of the coolest things I've actually been to though. It's smaller and it is definitely more compact than shot show. I think I actually enjoyed my trip to the PRE more than I did um, the three, four times I've been to shot show out in Las Vegas. Um, I don't go to range day cause I'm not a media personality or a reporter or anything else like that. Maybe now that I'm running a podcast that'll get me in the door, I don't know. But then again, I'm in Northwest Florida. I'm not in Vegas or a surrounding state. So those recaps, for my likes were water, the side range for suppressors and 22s, and then the real hands-on with the guns and the gear, whether it be bags, whether it be plates, whether it be uh, new products that are about to hit the, hit the market. Uh, some of my dislikes that I experienced on day one were there was only one table that had foamies. Like one table out of all of the vendors that I came across had actual foamy ear pro for people like myself that were extremely ridiculous and did not bring their own ear pro. Um, the other thing was the confusion with sign in and the t-shirts or however this works. So some people order the t-shirts or you were supposed to get the t-shirts when you signed up, but the shirts weren't there or this, that, just confusion of the staff. And I think that I don't blame the staff for that. I think that's just inherent when you're running anything um, on a volunteer's basis. Um, You can tell somebody what to do, but then somebody else new walks up. I mean, I've done it. I've said, Hey, you know, let's make sure that this gets done. And then as people show up or turn over, people get confused. Don't pass exactly what's supposed to happen or how things are supposed to work xyz so i'm not bummed i'm not super bummed about it but i would just hope that they would streamline or clarify their their process for sign in next year or provide that you know there's additional people to help with the everybody that pre-registered because i mean the line was probably 60 to 70 people deep when uh by the time I made it through the line and I probably waited 15 20 minutes which in reality isn't a big deal did I miss anything because the line moved slow no but efficiency is is just one of those things streamlined process we've all seen efficient systems and we've seen inefficient systems so I think that's just important that Uh, when we do something like this and people are paying for admission that we get them in to whatever event they are going through in a, in a smart and timely manner. All right. So spent all day out there on Saturday, ran into some of my friends, um, found out that we were doing dinner or they were doing dinner at the only restaurant in town. I didn't have any dinner plans. I was actually staying over an hour away. I was staying in Dothan, Alabama, because lo and behold, there's no Airbnbs in Blakely, which uh, if anybody lives in and around Blakely, um, get on that uh, get on that uh, Airbnb life. Uh, make some money and uh, house some shooters, per se. Right, But Saturday night dinner, um, super fun. Um, I guess I kind of might have invited myself, which uh, I'm the redheaded stepchild. So if uh, if that happened or that's how it perceived, my bad. But dinner was good and football was on TV. So that's where we all wanted to be. Go sports team. All right. So uh, if anybody knows me, you get that joke. Saturday night dinner. We went to uh, we went to the only restaurant in town um, in the uh, in the town square for box or four by four or 
Four Lounge, whatever the name of the place is. But I got to hang with the fine folks over at Phonescope. Finally got to meet the people that I am an ambassador for. I am an ambassador for Phonescope, www.phonescope.com, and that's scope with a K, phone, S-K-O-P-E.com. Go ahead and check them out. So there's my plug. And yes, I am an ambassador for them. If you've checked out my YouTube, if you have checked out my Instagram and or Facebook pages, which I highly suggest, which all of those will be linked in the show notes or wherever this podcast is distributed, go ahead and check all that out. Uh, you can see all of the videos about PhoneScope. What Brief overview of what PhoneScope is. It allows you to attach your mobile device, whether it be an Android, whether it be an iPhone, whatever type of smartphone-capable device you have, what it allows you to do is attach that into a proprietary phone case and attach that to either your binoculars, your spotting scope, your telescope. If you get the very specific version of scoped vision, you will be able to attach that to your scope so you will be able to take pictures and or video of exactly what your scope sees. Go ahead, head on over to my social medias, which you will be able to find in the show notes. Go ahead, hop on there, take a look at exactly what I'm talking about, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. All right, so back to Saturday night dinner. I was able to have dinner with Cole and the gang from PhoneScope. Super cool people. Glad I got to hang out and meet them. Really down to earth. Um, I've talked to plenty of them via social media. Anything that I've ever needed, they have been able to take care of me on. Super great people. Really happy that I'm working with them as a company. I am really, really excited about uh, my ambassadorship. Also got to have dinner with the fine folks over at McMillan and during the show, was able to check out their new MC3 or MC cubed stocks. Um, check out the different fills, how they're positioned, the different cheek wells or cheek wells for your your for getting proper eye relief on your rifles. Super new and super cool, innovative products from McMillan and the MC3 guys. Super cool to finally get to meet them. They're an Arizona-based company. I'm an Arizona boy. Super cool. Also got to hang out with the folks, some sales reps from Barrett, and those are some funny dudes, let me tell you. Um, I've got a lot of time on a Barrett weapons platform, the uh, particularly the 50 cal, given uh, what I do in my line of work, training and exercises and everything like that. Got to get to be very familiar with the Barrett 50 cal weapons platform, super, super cool. And certainly not least would be Tyler from Max Ordnance Academy. Now, me and Tyler, I'd like to say we go way back, but honestly, we only go back a couple of years, but this is my long range instructor. I took his PR1 precision, precision rifle one class out in his training facility in Southern California. And man, let me tell you, if you haven't looked in to the max ordinate training out in Southern California, you are missing out. One, I didn't know what to expect uh, going out there. I'm rocking a 308 bolt gun built by uh, DMR LLC rifles. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook, but hadn't zeroed it, hadn't shot it. Super new to precision rifle in general. Like, it, yeah, it's a custom-built gun, but what do I know? I just wanted to get into the sport, had a Rem 700 tuned up and Bartline barrel, all that fun stuff, but took it out there. And Tyler had me hitting rounds within two days at 1,200 yards with a 308 with 168 grain freaking Sierra Match Kings. Now, is that impressive? Knowing me, I would say that's impressive. I know that I am not the best shot in the world, but I like to practice and I like to have fun and I like to try new things. Hence why I've shot a bunch of different disciplines and everything like that. But I'm taking this precision rifle thing real serious um, and I wanted to get some training. Well, 
instead of just trying to train myself and pick up a bunch of bad habits, I just went to a professional, saw him at uh, SHOT Show one year, got on the calendar, they took care of me, and indebted to them forever for teaching me the and the tricks and tips of precision rifle. Um, but I got to hang out with Tyler again, ran into him at the range. I was wearing my MOA t-shirt, got to represent, uh, walked up to me, said, nice shirt. Um, big old bear hug. Uh, love that dude. I love, uh, Ray, his fiance, um, at nine dolls on Instagram at max ordinate on Instagram at Tyler Hughes on Instagram. Check them out. Check out the 2020 training calendar. They just dropped a podcast today. Here's my pad podcast plug for somebody else. It's the sub MOA podcast. Let me double check that real fast because I want to make sure everything is legit. Do, do, do. Sem, the sub MOA podcast, right? It's available on Apple podcasts. Go ahead, check them out awesome review of different challenges that they do also shooting tricks and tips as well talking about proper shooting position and support that you need the nine fundamentals of positional shooting so got to hang out with tyler he's an ohio state fan but we'll forgive him so drinks jokes football and food had a great time had a lot of fun meeting new people meeting old friends, meeting people in the industry that I love so much. Had a lot of fun. Now, that was Saturday night. Now we're going to talk about Sunday morning. Wake up, put all my crap in my car because I'm not coming back to the sleazebag hotel that I stayed at, which, oh man, what a, what a fun time to be alive, people. So day, my day two thoughts. Overall, way smaller turnout. Way smaller turnout for day two than we had on day one. But that's okay because that meant I got to shoot a lot more rounds. We'll talk about that. Um, So we had a smaller turnout. But at the end of the day, nobody wants to bring ammo home or ship ammo back. So what do you do? You shoot the ammo because who turns in ammo? Nobody. So we came up with some friendly competitions to expend this ammo safely and ethically at all of the evil steel that was downrange. And if you go check out uh, some different social media sites, you'll see the turning and burning of two, two, three rounds getting slayed downrange at about 400 yards and seeing who could get the most hits on steel in a short amount of time. So, That's my thoughts on day two. But next, we're going to talk about the training classes. So not only did this uh, Precision Rifle Expo talk about the new and upcoming equipment and show you that equipment and let you demonstrate that equipment and teach you different things about the upcoming gear and all that other fun stuff, but there was also training classes on site at different locations and different times throughout the weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. And I thought that was super valuable. So I was able to attend wind reading, rifle maintenance, and fundamentals of marksmanship. Now, I am not a professional. I am a hobbyist. This is not my chosen profession. However, it kind of bleeds over a little bit. Um, but man, did I, I learned some information out of just these three classes that I took. So the first class that I took was wind reading. And I think I believe, I believe I took that one, um, Saturday afternoon and that was held outside because you got to w- read the wind outside, but that was a meal, uh, Parslik. I really hope I'm saying your name right. But he's from, uh, he's from Burger Bullets. He was formerly down at the Army AMU, teaching their, their folks down there at the, uh, the fine Army Marksmanship Unit. I happen to uh, have shot some three-gun, two-gun 
steel challenge matches with some of those folks. And there is no doubt that those are some of the best shooters in the country when it comes to firearms and the competitive nature of firearms. Just wow. Uh, really good dudes. But Emil was teaching the wind class. To say he is a wealth of knowledge is a ridiculously giant understatement. The, the, the knowledge of this man to sit there and literally hold his finger up, call the wind, and have us check it on a kestrel and him be within a tenth of a mile per hour was ridiculous. He literally did that. He's like, it's blowing 6.4 miles per hour right now, and I think it was 6.5 on the Kestrel. It was just ridiculous. Like, the man knows his wind. He's been doing it for like 20-something years. Uh, It's ridiculous, the knowledge that this man has. And the things that he taught us was amazing as well. Um, I really enjoyed the hands-on portion and big thanks to Vortex. Um, big thanks to all the, the sponsors or the companies that came out and attended this event, but the, the vendors that actually helped out with the teaching of these classes is super, super cool. So how do you teach a wind reading class without, you know, something to see the wind. Well, you're like, you can't see the wind, it's invisible. No, but you can see the effects that the wind has on the environment at distance. So Vortex stepped up and we got binos and spotters and you name it, different powers, different magnifications, all that stuff. We got all of that stuff to use for this wind reading class. And I just want to take this time to say, thanks Vortex. Um, You're the reason that's the glass that I use on my rifles, my binos, is because you guys step up and you guys really help the community, so thank you. But the hands-on portion of the wind reading class was really cool. We learned some different techniques on how to gauge the wind and what the wind is doing at distance. Now, I'm not uh, the teacher of wind, so it's really hard for me to express what exactly we learned. But if you think about it, if you look down range and you happen to have some mirage on a hot, sunny day and you're trying to be like, oh man, which way is the wind, wind blowing? If you're in focus at a given distance, say 500 yards, and you're focused in, you're looking at your target and you can't tell which way the mirage is running, take that focus dial on your, on your optic and make it blurry to where you can't see the target but it focuses halfway between your target and yourself. So focus at something maybe 250 yards away to where it's blurry now, and you can actually see which direction the wind is blowing and which way it's traveling. Now, what's even cooler is if you figure out which direction the wind is blowing, you can now refocus on your 500-yard target, and then you can slowly rotate your optic say your binoculars, rotate those toward the direction of the wind to where the the mirage boils. And by boils, it doesn't go left, it doesn't go right, it goes directly up. And now you've found exactly what direction your wind is blowing to. You can also do this, you know, back as, as myth. Yep, I can't talk. Words are hard. Let's deal with it. Back as myth. And you could do it the other way to figure out which way the wind is coming from um, or going to either way. Whichever way the mirage boils, if I could think of what the word was, whichever way the mirage boils, that's where your wind is blowing either to or from. And you can figure out maybe what the value of that wind is. Now you know if you've got a half value, quarter value, full value wind, depending on the direction you will be firing upon your target. So literally one of the smartest things that I learned, or one of the most important things that I learned that weekend was using Mirage to find the wind direction. Um, And in fact, I literally used this last weekend 
when I uh, was a range official, range officer for the Kestrel Ballistics Fall Classic held at Alta Shooting Solutions. Checked that out, uh, was the RO, and was trying to determine what the wind was doing at distance. So I was on my spotting scope, and instead of being zoomed in on the targets between shooters, I was actually dialing the focus knob to where it became blurry and I was actually instead of seeing targets I was actually seeing the rain and the direction the rain was falling slash being blown and I could tell you know by how much it's moving from top to bottom approximately what the wind was uh wind value was whether it was three miles an hour to five miles an hour and based on that what the shooters were holding whether it be straight up on the close targets and then three tenths left to right on the farther targets it was just really interesting to put the knowledge that i learned in the wind reading class into application within 15 days of learning it i thought that was super super cool Uh, another class that i attended was rifle maintenance and this was taught by uh Jesse Rambo, uh, no relation, because uh, I asked. No relation to, uh, to John. But Jesse Rambo from Bortec. Now, there's a million different ways to clean and maintain your rifle. And it is completely up to the individual on how they want to do that. And that's totally fine. Whatever, If you've got a process that works for you and you want to scrub your rifle 10,000 times have at it. It's your, it's your rifle. If you want to shoot your rifle 10,000 times and not clean it once, that's your rifle. You do what you want. But I think the most important thing that I learned was build your own process for cleaning your firearms. Whether you want to shoot that thing and clean it every 100 rounds or every 500 rounds or you know barrel break in, whatever it may be, build your own process for cleaning your weapons. I think that was one of the biggest things that I got out of the weapons maintenance class. However, Jesse works for Bortec and Bortec makes cleaning products and cleaning solutions, right? Really fancy bore guides, really fancy uh, long bore brushes, really long um, fast spinning handles, all the Gucci of cleaning your firearm. Am I going to buy it? (laughs) You're damn right I'm going to buy it. Um, And not just because I don't have a Cabela's cleaning kit in my garage, but because I like the product. I have multiple firearms that all require the same type of cleaning kit, such as all of my 22s. And I say all of, I've probably got four 22s sitting in my safe at this moment. So why not have a dedicated cleaning kit to cleaning them all? Also, all of their products are um, bore safe. You can soak up a patch uh, with, say, their Eliminator or their 22-specific cleaner, run it through the bore. You could leave it overnight and then just push a patch the next morning and it's not going to hurt anything versus leaving some of these solvents in your barrel. It can eat. It can chew up. It can do all kinds of gross things to your bore and your crown and everything else like that. And nobody wants to sacrifice their barrel or anything like that to, you know, harsh chemicals chewing it up and maybe eroding its life sooner than expected. I'm not a chemical engineer, so I don't know. But I did like the fact that Uh, He explained why he uses nylon brushes and stainless steel um, jegs or whatever they call. I call them the patchy stabby thingies because words and I like to make up my own stuff. So uh, patch pushers, whatever you call it, but nylon brushes. That way you're when you're pushing the patch after you've done your initial soak and scrub after you push your patch. It's, you're not getting any false indicators from a copper brush, brass, or excuse me, a brass brush or a copper brush or a brass jeg when you're pushing it through. You're not getting any false indicators that your equipment is causing the fouling or the chemicals 
to change color on the patch, yet it is actually the carbon and the lead that is in copper that's being taken out of your barrel. Now, uh, that's why they're using stainless steel. That's why they're using nylon brushes. I never really thought about it that way, but that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, and they sell all those products on their website. Um, you can find them sometimes at your local distributors. I know that Altus Shooting Solutions in Baker, Florida is a retailer from them. I'll probably buy direct from them because I like to support small business. So why not just order everything from Altus and get it all in a one-stop shop? All right. So one, I think they have great products. I tested uh, some of the sample packs that they gave me, cleaned out uh, one of my 22s that I've put maybe two, 300 rounds through, haven't cleaned it yet. I'm doing a, a, a slow break in on it. It's got a kid barrel on it. It's pretty tight chambered. So I'm really putting it through its paces before I take it out and do any um, serious shooting with it. Um, also, very professional. I'd like to say right now that Jesse Rambo, no relation, is uh, really professional when it comes to his products in the class that he gave. He is a salesman. His job is to sell you his product. But he did not do that at the uh, cost of another company or another brand's product. He said continuously that he believed his product was good because why? Or you may not want to use something that is a heavy solvent because X. Many people in the class of 10 to 15 people asked him, what are those products or what do we want to stay away from? And he refused to give a company name, whether it be, you know, whatever cleaning company is out there. Um, you know, I, I don't know either. I'm not a chemical engineer. I'm not going to say what's good, what's bad. I just know what I've used and what I think I'm going to be purchasing in the future, which is, you know, Bortec products. Um, he was, you know, completely professional the entire time, uh, never badmouth another, another company or another type of, uh, company or his direct competition. Like, you know, some of these multi-million dollar named brands never bashed him one time, was completely professional, said, you know, I, I just can talk to the Bortec product and that's what I'd like to talk about. I don't need to talk about other companies. Um, if you want to use those, feel free, but we're just here to show you how to maintain your weapon and we're using our products, Bortec products, to show you that. If you like them, uh, you know, feel free to grab a sample or purchase them in the future but never bashed another company one time. And I, I think that's really stand up. And I think um, for that reason, is a, uh, for that reason, not alone, but in addition to the many reasons, but that is one reason that I think I'm going to uh, start purchasing some Vortex products is just the professionalism of, of their staff, their salesmen. Yeah, they, they know they're there to sell some products and to, to represent their company by selling products and, and making a profit. But to not do that on the back of their competition really speaks volumes to the, the people that they hire there and the people that they have representing their company, which I think was really, really cool. Um, next, we're going to talk about the fundamentals of marksmanship. Now, this, I don't want to say was fast and down and dirty, but I kind of knew all this stuff because I've trained with Tyler over at Max Ordnant. Um, he provides some awesome instruction, but just like you can never practice the fundamentals, you can never hear about the fundamentals enough. So Jacob Bynum from Rifles Only down in Texas provided the class on fundamentals. He provided handouts for us so we would be able to take this information, take it home, and then practice it or review it. I'm actually holding the paper right now um, and it's got five bold words on here, natural point of aim, sight picture, breathing, trigger control, and follow through. He said, those are the big five, right? And, you know, I've heard multiple instructors say the exact same thing. If you don't have a natural point of aim, when you pull, you get behind that rifle and you pull that trigger, your rifle will hop off or come off target and your follow through 
your sight picture, your triggering control can get all jacked up because you don't have a natural point of aim. Now, I'm not a firearms instructor, so I don't want to get into all the reasons why and, you know, say exactly what everything is. Because, one, I'm going to talk about the things that I'm intelligent on, and I'm not super intelligent on that because I'm still learning. But natural point of aim is when you, in my opinion, in my definition, would be if you throw your rifle on top of a barricade, say a PRS barricade, and you get behind that rifle, you want to be squared up. You don't want to have to muscle the rifle to get it on target. You want to drop that rifle on that barricade, have it already pointing downrange in the general direction. You want to get a good pocket or get the, the, the stock, get the butt of the rifle high in your shoulder pocket. You want to bring yourself in behind it. You want to have that nice tight cup. You want to have a good solid 90 degree uh, uh, trigger break. You want to make sure that when you put your cheek on your stock, on the comb of that stock, that when you open your eye and you're looking through the scope, that everything is natural, that it's already pointed at your target. And if it's not, you want to adjust your body to get a proper point of aim and get your body in line with the rifle, right? It's going to help reduce your recoil. It's going to help you stay on target so you can actually watch either bullet trace, bullet wake, impact. If you miss, you can see actually where your bullet went to make a quick on-the-spot correction and then re-engage your target if need be. Um, So natural point of aim, definitely agree that it is the most important fundamental of marksmanship. They talked about sight picture. They talked about breathing, how you have that natural respiratory pause, and that's where you breathe in and then breathe out. And then when you breathe back in, that natural respiratory pause, that's where you want to break your shot. You want to try and break your shots between heartbeats, which I've never really thought of that before. But the the most minimal amount of influence on that firearm Trigger control, making sure you're not jerking the trigger, making sure that you're not uh, you're not just slapping it, that you're pinning it to the rear, you know, letting it go off, letting the whole process work. And with that trigger trigger control of pinning that trigger to the rear and making sure that round fires off, we actually had another uh, person, a sponsored shooter from Applied Ballistics, walk over and actually tell us a story about how t- taking Jacob's class and the follow-through principle actually got him a match win on the very last stage. He needed to clean it. If he got nine, he lost. If he got 10, he won. And what happened was when he broke the trigger, he pinned it to the rear and it was a, um, a light primer striker, um, a hung round or something. It did not go off, but he broke the trigger. It's really funny because I'm like, handsing this whole process right now um he engaged broke that trigger it the round did not fire but he stayed there in position with his crosshairs on the target and then a second or two later that primer engaged or that primer went off detonated you know the whole uh the whole process of a a cartridge being ignited the powder burning bullet leaving the barrel all that fun stuff it didn't happen as soon as he broke the trigger. It happened a second or two later. If he would have just cracked open the the bolt, it could have been really bad. That thing would have, you know, not functioned as intended. Probably would have sent out some brass frag and damaged the firearm. But he broke that trigger, stayed pinned back, let the follow through that he had been practicing take effect stayed on target, and then the bullet decided it wanted to go off, went down range, got an impact, and won the match because he practiced good follow-through. That was a story that he shared with us. I thought it was really, really cool. Sorry, I had to take a drink of my Coca-Cola orange vanilla soda, right? So some things that I notice when I'm practicing my fundamentals, I hold my breath a lot. Um, I am OCD and a perfectionist. Therefore, I'm always trying to shoot bullseyes 
to the detriment of myself. I always hold my breath. I do not practice good muscle relaxation or uh, I mean, when I'm shooting groups, I'm normally doing it prone. So I do have good bone support. I'm in contact with the ground, um, but I'm, I'm not controlling my breathing. I'm not controlling the factors that I can control, taking, breaking that trigger at the natural respiratory pause in my breathing pattern. I'm not doing that. I'm holding my breath, trying to make sure that my reticle is directly in the center of the bullseye when I break that shot. And I normally get fatigued, causing muscle fatigue, uh, muscle fatigue, eye strain, eye fatigue, and I don't end up shooting a good group. So, you know, knowing what you're, you're lacking at is also a really good um, self-diagnosis. Like, I know that. I sat there and I thought about it and I actually went and shot some groups on a voodoo later that afternoon and said, Hey, I need to, I need to test something out. And I shot some groups on a, just a steel target that they had down there and actually looked at it and was trying to put it in the same spot each time. And I noticed, boom, I was doing it again, holding my breath, not getting muscle relaxation, trying to stay stiff and tight. And it wasn't working for me. Um, but one thing he did, uh, Jacob did stress was the natural point of aim, the stressed uh, trigger control. He stressed that one a lot as well, and then follow through. So it seems like those are his big ticket items. If you have a chance to go down to rifles only and train with Jacob, it would probably be one of the smarter moves we've made in in the uh, in the training environment for for personal growth. Um, I'm going to see what I can do in the 2020 schedule to get down there and, and see if I can take a long range course with him. Uh, if it's not blowing 40 miles an hour down there, it's a really slow day. So learning to shoot in the wind is, is something that I'm going to try to pick up a little bit more here in the, in the coming months. And then my last, it really wasn't a class. I mean, I guess you could call it a class. But the Applied Ballistics Mobile Lab, oh my lord. So I'm trying to stick to the Precision Rifle Expo here, but in my next podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Applied Ballistics and their mobile lab. But so much science, oh my lord. It was crazy how much science these guys are doing when it comes to just bullets, just bullets, like Yes, we all know about BCs and drop at distance and spin drift and Coriolis and all this crazy stuff. I had no idea that the position of the sun would shift your bullet impact a tenth depending on which way the sun is. Like, I didn't even, that never even crossed my mind. It ridiculous amount of knowledge in team applied ballistics. So much. But one cool thing that they were doing out there is they were providing custom drag models, personal drag models. So you could take your rifle and you could shoot your bullets and they would give you a custom drag model for your rounds. Now, during the class, they actually had a guy doing this. I think he was shooting a, a, a 6.5 Creedmoor or something like that. But he fired 10 rounds downrange and basically what they're doing is they're using Doppler radar to track the bullet, which is so cool. Um, you can definitely tell that Applied Ballistics has put a lot of time and effort going into this um, to, one, figure out the science in the first place, but then to be able to fit everything into a camper trailer and then make that a mobile lab and then pull that behind a truck all over the country set it up and then provide free custom drag models to shooters based on your rifle, your load, everything like that's amazing. And they're doing it for free. Like, so I don't care if you like applied ballistics or not. Um, like say, thank you. Like I definitely have numerous times since learning about this and actually talking with them. One they're some of the smartest people I've ever met when it comes to ballistics and shooting and the science of uh, trajectory and um, 
just like how things are affected by wind and all the factors of just the environment. It was super, super cool. But like the actual science behind this, they use Doppler radar. So the same thing that they track like clouds and crap with. Super basic here. But they got a big radar system and they got a little itty bitty scope next to it, which is super funny. And they basically aim this thing downrange at the target, say 800 or 1,000 yards, meters, whichever one you're on, downrange, right? So they're aiming this thing downrange. Now, we all know that bullets travel in an arc. You know, that's where Tyler gets max ordinate from, the ordinate, the trajectory of your bullet being maxed out. Now, we all know that radar travels in a cone, or at least we should know that radar travels in a cone. Think of like your ice cream cone. From the point of initiation, it's the tiny part. As it goes out, it gets bigger, like a waffle cone from Cold Stone Creamery, right? So it's shooting this radar out downrange, and as your bullet passes through the cone of radar, it's actually picked up and tracked by Doppler radar, which is super neat and super cool. And then what it does is they have actually collected all the data in their computer system. And then the computer system does some like 2001 Space Odyssey type computing crazy science stuff and spits out all this data. But you have to enter data to get data. Some of the data that they need from you is bullet length, bullet weight, barrel twist, manufacturer, um, of the bullet, um, just uh, a bullet diameter, like if it's a hollow point or whatever, or if it's, you know, CCI, 40 grain, uh, lead nose green tag, competition 22 ammo, whatever it may be. I'm not saying that was a sneak peek, but hey, so you enter all this information, you fire 10 rounds down range, and then, um, they actually are able to track that bullet and create your own custom personal drag model or custom drag model. I can't remember what they call it um, for your data, right? So if you were to shoot your 6.5 Creedmoor like this gentleman did, he shot his round 10 rounds down the barrel of his gun. It tracked it through the Doppler radar and then on the back side, they were able to tell him that at distance, his bullet was dropping this amount. His standard deviation between all of his shots was, say, seven, right, for his 10 rounds, that his average feet per second was this at this distance. So the amount of data that they collect through the Doppler radar and have done all of the mathematics and the programming and the calculations to figure out exactly what's going on. Hands down, ridiculous. These guys should be working for NASA. Just amazing. So Applied Ballistics course was super, super knowledgeable. Um, their instructors, uh, super, super knowledgeable. I super apologize that I can't remember the Aussie's name, but that dude was super cool. Uh, love the accent, man. Um, he doesn't care for Vegemite, but that's okay. Um, it's not for everybody. I've had it. It is kind of gross, but hey, whatever. Um, but yeah, the applied ballistics guys that bring come down there and then allow you to shoot their stuff over radar um, and then get your own personal or custom drag model uh, for your specific rifle, your specific bullet, lot, whatever. Amazing. Now... If I didn't mention it, all of that data gets uploaded to the Applied Ballistics um, website, and then you can download, they name it, custom name it to you, to your gun, your bullet, XYZ. Um, they custom name it to where if this gentleman, we'll call him Bob Smith, you know, Bob shoots his gun. They name it Bob Smith 6.5 Creed EDLD or whatever bullets he was shooting. Bob can go home that night, download all that information, and then 
he can use that information in any applied ballistics uh, dope calculation solver or whatever. So if you've got a Kestrel 5700 with applied ballistic software in it, you can literally download that and all of your information is already in your Kestrel. And that is amazing. If I could afford a 5700, I would have one and I would find the mobile lab and I would go shoot with the mobile lab and figure that out because it's amazing, right? Um, so big shout out to Applied Ballistics. Now, bigger shout out to our vendors, right? You guys were awesome. Um, the vendors care about the sport of precision rifle, precision shooting, whether it be for hunting purposes, competition, youth shooting, apple seed, NRL 22, pellet gun, air rifle, uh, PCP guns, whatever it may be, they care. And we, as the shooting community, need to do a better job, I feel, of thanking those vendors, those companies that come to events like this and support the sport. And I'm not just talking about, hey, cool, can I get a free hat or sponsor me or XYZ, but literally, like, I'm not trying to name names or anything like that, but I literally saw one vendor take care of a youth shooter that was getting ready to shoot a match in a week or so. And this particular vendor was like, Hey, what are you looking for? They're like, Hey, I need a smaller bag to fit X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And the vendor reached underneath the table, grabbed the bag and the mount, the bag went to via Arca and put it on the table and said, you know, try this. And the youth shooters, dad, grandpa, whoever it might have been, was like, hey, you know, are we going to add this to my bill? Blah, blah, blah. So it seems that they had some pre-existing relationship. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Go shoot your match. Hopefully it works for you. Now, knowing this vendor, I went on their website and checked out what that actual product was. And it wasn't like a $5 bag, a $5 part. They literally donated to a youth shooter to ensure that they had the best opportunity to succeed at their match without being prompted. Like the kid wasn't like, oh, I need a bag. You should sponsor me. It was, I'm looking for this to try and get that competitive edge. And for the, the vendor to step up and do that was awesome. And when they walked away, I literally was like, that was super cool. You guys now have my business. And it's not, oh, maybe they'll give me something free. I got a job. I can pay for my own stuff, um, even though it does get expensive. However, like taking care of our youth, taking care of our youth shooters and showing the community that we support each other is a huge thing. And not only are these vendors supporting um, all of the different prize tables for all of the different matches, whether it be NRL 22, NRL, PRS, bench rest, you know, PCP guns, whatever it may be. These vendors, these people are donating time, effort, and product to the prize tables or to the industry. They're coming up with the products that we want to use so I just say we do a better job of saying thank you to these guys. I think um, they deserve it, whether um, they're donating to the prize tables or coming out with new products or not. Because uh, if we don't see them doing something, doesn't mean they're not doing it. And I can say that you know based on what I saw right there at the table, at the booth for one particular vendor at the, at the PRE, um, really take care of people. They've got my business and that's that's that but big shout out to all the vendors um learned a lot from the lapua uh, sk booth i learned a lot from the the 
Timney Triggers out of Arizona booth, the Voodoo booth. Oh my gosh, uh, drooling all over that. Um, the Area 419 guys were super awesome. Uh, definitely look forward to seeing their new rifle, their CZ457. That's all tuned up and tricked out. Hopefully somebody at my NRL 22 club picks one of those up so I can steal it and shoot it. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens, but they got that new rifle coming out and that's super cool. Um, all of the ammo sponsors, um, for sponsoring the event in general, big thank you to you guys. I know, uh, it was, uh, American Gunner, I believe Hornady was one of the big suppliers of ammo and that was super, super cool. Lapua for the 22s. Um, huge thank you to you guys. And frankly, the companies that supplied all these rifles, I mean, I counted up how many rounds I shot over the weekend and I was pretty conservative, but you got to think like these guys are putting four or five rounds down the tube at a time on six, five Creedmoor, six, five PRCs. I wouldn't be surprised. I would actually like to know how many rounds were fired over the weekend. So if anybody's got that information, that would be amazing. But, um, I know I shot a lot of rounds and I'm sure those, those barrels took quite, uh, quite a bit of abuse over the weekend, but thank you to all the sponsors that chipped in. And I also would like to say thank you to the sponsors of the NRL 22, which provides so much to the prize table, um, in no order. And if I forgot somebody, I am super, super sorry, but we've got Vortex, we've got Timney Triggers, we've got Voodoo Gunworks, we've got MC3, with a Macmillan crew, we've got Phonescope, we've got Lapua, we've got Area 419, we've got Nikon Optics, we've got WeBad Mini Fortune Cookies, Um, those were some of the companies, I don't think WeBad was there, but those were the companies that were there that I personally went around to and said thank you to, because like I said, you got to say thank you to these sponsors, nothing is telling them that they have to donate to these prize tables, and for them to do so, is awesome. It's not a requirement. They're doing it because they love the sport as much as we do. So the least we can do is say thank you for loving the same sport that we do and providing some something for it, right? I know we don't shoot matches for the prize table. We shoot it for um, hanging out with our buddies, drinking beer after matches, for bragging rights and everything else. The prize table is gravy on the biscuit. And when these companies are getting, you know, shout outs via whether it be this podcast or, you know, whether it be a shout out on your Instagram for saying, hey, thanks sponsors for sponsoring our local monthly match or the big matches of PRS, you know, whatever it may be, we got to thank our sponsors. So thank you guys. Thank you guys that sponsor the NRL 22, the organization that I'm a part of. Also, thanks to the ammo suppliers, like I said for providing all the rounds sent down range. I'd really like to know um, how many rounds were fired over the weekend. I think that would be super, super cool. And finally, um, the most fun I had besides shooting the guns, you know, was hanging out at the Armageddon gear tent. Um, Tom, amazing guy, uh, former uh, military dude, former army. He's a veteran. He's got a business. He's running that business. He is amazing. Um, super funny, super easy to talk to, super humble. Awesome, awesome dude. Sat there and I was like, hey, this is what I'm looking for in a product. And we literally sat there and we checked out the product and he's like, oh yeah, I'm kind of coming up with something else. Maybe we can incorporate that system into this. And how do you think about this? Like for somebody that's sitting there trying to sell product, and communicate with his sponsored shooters and everything like that to just listen to a guy that has a couple of his bags and shoots with a couple of his bags to sit there and actually listen to me and listen to the problem that I'm trying to solve in the shooting world was super cool. In my opinion, um, Missy is hilarious. Um, she was there hustling all weekend. Um, totally took care of me, uh, this past weekend when I ordered a suppressor cover for my 7.62 suppressor, um, had that brought down to the, our local match that just happened this past weekend, the Kestrel Fall Classic, had that brought down to me, uh, super easy payment, you know, everything was taken care of, customer service was amazing, um, 
very inviting and very friendly, brought, you know, everybody in the tent, everybody could hang out. Everything was great. Tom was open uh, to those new product ideas that I had. Missy was super cool about all the, uh, the questions I asked, like, Hey, what is this? And how does this work? And you know, what's the deal with this? Um, so that was super cool. Also, Beer was free and it was damn good. If I can find a way to get some wind cheater in my cooler and brought back to Florida, I will be a happy camper. Now, I'm not saying that I'm trying to make a plug for some sponsorship of this podcast, but we currently do not have a sponsorship for alcoholic beverages. So I'm thinking wind cheater should sponsor the podcast and like let me get a sixer like i don't drink a lot i usually have one or two beers when i'm grilling on sundays but maybe a 12 pack or something like that so i can enjoy some brewskis while i'm grilling and uh when i'm when i'm recording a podcast mull it over think about it totally cool get some wind cheater be a damn good time all right well everybody thanks for joining me this is the full first full-length official podcast of another GD podcast. Um, I really appreciate you guys hanging on if you have lasted this long on my rambly rants of an update from the 2019 Precision Rifle Expo at Blakely, Alabama, or Blakely, Alabama, Blakely, Georgia at the Arena Shooting Complex, the Arena Shooting Facility. That place is amazing. The PRE was amazing. Everybody that attended the PRE was amazing. The vendors, thank you. The people that put it on, thank you. Everybody was super friendly. Everybody was super nice. Drinks and dinner and everything like that was super fun and super enjoyable. I learned a ton and I can't wait to go next year and do it all over again. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning in to my first full podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, like, leave some feedback. Tell me what you thought. Tell me if you like the format. If you don't like the format, constructive criticism, tell me I suck, whatever. But like, subscribe, leave some feedback. Let me know what you thought, and I appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe, keep your powder dry, and we'll see you at the range. I'm going down to Mesa Town I'm gonna see what the fuck is going down I said, you know why you people are here So I'm gonna have another beer Let's go, whoa, whoa, whoa